0: This was hard. Starting the testosterone was hard. Starting the blockers was hard. But when you think about that, this is going to be a manipulation of his body, it's hard to wrap your your mind around and your heart around. Now he's excited about it. He can't stop talking about it. And he knows, I mean, he knows who he is.
1: Sometimes kids have a clear vision of what they want and need their body to look like in order to feel affirmed in their gender. If a child doesn't know, That doesn't make them not trans. It just means the stuff is confusing and they aren't sure what they need. This is one of the main reasons we go slow and one of the main reasons we always wanna be sure that you have a comprehensive support team to help you through the medical side of transition. Because knowing when it's time or when your kid is ready is very difficult to do when you're trying to also manage your feelings and whether or not you are ready. You're listening to Camp Wildheart your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host slash head counselor, Mackenzie Dunham. Today, we're gonna hear again from Laura. If you haven't already listened to episode three, go back and listen to it. This is when we first meet Laura and we hear about her journey with her son Lucas and how she had to find the courage and support in order to deal with her own feelings about him coming out. Lucas has been out a while now And Laura has come back to share with us about what it's like to navigate the medical side of transition with him. But before we jump into her story, I recently learned about a place that I really want to share with you. Camp Erinudic is like a real life version of Camp Wildheart. It's a camp in New Hampshire for transgender kids and their families. I clearly love camp and I wouldn't trade anything for my experiences as a camper when I was a kid. If you've been parenting a trans kid for a while, you probably already know the many barriers that get in the way when trans kids want or try to attend a camp that's designed for cisgender kids. So the other day I had a chance to sit down with Nick Teich. Nick is the director of Camp Aeronautic, and I wanted to share our conversation about the magic of camp first, and then we'll jump back into the medical stuff. Nick, welcome to Camp Wildheart. I'm super 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 excited to have you because you are literally living my dream um, which is to have a camp for trans kids So can you tell me about your camp and how it came to be all of the all the things that we need to know about Camp Aranudic?
2: So Camp aeroneutic I founded it in 2009 mm-hmm. and it came out of two sort of main events. One was that I was at that time, I had gone to camp as a kid and been a counselor and a member of the leadership team, and then I got a year-round job. Couldn't go back to that camp and started to volunteer one week a year with a a charity camp. And when I announced that I'd be transitioning, knowing the people that were running it, I, I actually didn't expect much of a pushback and their initial reaction was good Mm -hmm. and then they got me on the phone with the board of directors and a lawyer and told me that that i would not be able to return for the good of the kids and um Mm -hmm. see you later so that was quite surprising and um it just made me think if i'm getting this what about kids who know they're trans or non-binary what we were calling gender variant back then Mm -hmm. um what are they doing for camp? So the other part of it was realizing that there were really no good places for them to actually be able to be out, be themselves, express their gender in the way they wanted. And with my love of camp, I said, I got to start something. So it started as a one-week camp with 40 kids the first year. And then it just grew from there. Kind of exponentially. So now we're, um, we do six weeks of the flagship camp, which is kids only. And then we do two uh, four day family weekend events. And all told, we have um, over 700 participants coming to Camp Aeronautic in a summer. And that's we amazing. now own our yeah. own property. So <laughs> that's good.
1: That's fantastic. So I'm, uh, a lifelong camp goer as well um, and which is one of the reasons why I feel so passionate about it but can you and I this isn't one of my questions but as you were talking I just thought oh I gotta ask why is camp so important to you what did you get out of camp that you just thought oh my god kids have to have this
2: camp is very very important to me because I just felt like even though you know I didn't understand that I was trans back then. We're talking about the 90s, mid-90s when I was at camp. I felt like I could be myself at the camp I was at. I felt accepted. And when you're at an overnight camp and you're spending all that time there, you get to know people so well. And your friendships and your bonds with people are just... I don't know anything else that really matches it because... It's not a school situation where you're attending classes. You don't have any of that stress. It's just pure fun and games and growing and gaining confidence and being able to be yourself. And I went for eight weeks every summer and I just, I couldn't get enough. It was a a countdown to camp the second I left. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: it really, I think, had just a big impact on me. And I think every kid should be able to uh, experience it if they want to. 100% agree
1: with that. I spent my summers very much at various camps and then as soon as I could I became a camp counselor, same sort of thing. Um, So it feels just really really valuable and important those relationships you build. So when kids come to Camp Arnudic, what can they or their families expect from their time there?
2: So from the beginning it was really important for us to not center the experience around being trans whatever that <laughs> means <laughs> yeah I'm um sure. in that yeah all the kids know they are or you know non-binary gender, queer, you know all the related identities but to center it around being a kid and just camp mm-hmm. so yeah. we do things like arts and crafts and kayaking and swimming and archery and rock climbing and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, eating our meals as a group, um, cookouts and campfires, you know, just late night talks, which are, I think, one of the best parts of camp. Heck yeah. And that's just kind of, you know, what we do. And everybody knows that everybody else there um, identifies similarly to them. And so when you come in, there's a feeling of just camaraderie and feeling like you know someone Better than you would at a random camp. And so it, it really helps build the relationships sooner, quicker, build into friendships. And we hope that while our camp is technology free, mm-hmm. after camp, they get each other's information and keep in touch because that's really important. We always say like if you're having a bad day or someone's messing with you because of your gender, lean on your camp friends. And I think a lot of kids are able to do that and um, you know keep those those friendships.
1: And how have you seen kids grow throughout the weeks that
2: they're there? Yeah, in a lot of different ways. Um, A lot of times trying things that they would never have tried feeling like they can do something. For instance, we got a lot of kids who when they first are deciding to come to camp, they tell me they hate sports. This is not everyone, but some kids. Yeah. And they don't want to they just don't want to do sports. And I, I try to ask them why. Why do you hate sports? And typically, not always, it comes down to sports being competitive and performance based and gendered. So I say, okay, what if we did everything we could to take those out of the equation, which we do at camp, and you're basically, you know, you're not worried about the gender piece, anyone's playing any game, and we're not competitive. And If you, you know, if you kick a ball and it doesn't go anywhere near the goal, nobody's going to laugh at you or, you know, say you lost it for their team, they're just going to go get the ball and continue. Mm -hmm. Would you be open to trying it? And I think that's a good way to get kids more interested in, different activities, so we've seen them grow that way. Definitely seen them grow in their confidence in general, just that it's okay to be who they are and that they feel like they're gonna be accepted. And for the people that don't accept them, maybe those are not people that they need to continue relationships with. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I just think in terms of, I thought I was the only one going through XYZ and just in talking to their bunkmates and their counselors too, the counselors are mostly trans and non-binary as well and provide just wonderful role models for the kids to just be able to see, I'm going to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. I have these people, you know, they went through hard times and, and it's not easy, but I can be a functioning uh, adult member of society and a happy person. That's really important. So those are some of the different ways we see them grow.
1: That's awesome. So... If I've got listeners that are excited, as excited as I am, right, that they're like, oh my gosh, how do I get my kid to go to camp? Where should we send them to find out more?
2: So definitely our website, which is camparenutic.org. So it's C-A-M-P-A-R-A-N-U-T-I-Q.org. And also our larger organization is called Harbor Camps. So if you can't remember that one, you can remember harborcamps.org. Mm -hmm. And that will uh, have a link to Camp Aeronautic. We are full for this summer coming up, but we're going to start our applications again, probably in September or October of 21 for summer 2022. Wow. How soon do you fill? You know, we actually expanded this year to take almost 200 more campers. So I did not expect to fill the way we did. But we filled our last slots sometime in, I think, early April. Wow. So.
1: That's awesome. Congratulations.
2: <laughs> Thank
1: you. And just for the record, I'm on the West Coast. I'm Washington State. But where is Camp aeronautic
2: So it's in New Hampshire, so northeast New England. We do provide financial aid for anyone who needs it. So there's a tiered structure of our um, of our tuition, and then there's financial aid as well. We have very generous donors and we never want to turn away a family because they you know, can't pay the tuition. And sometimes in addition to that, that includes travel. I'm coming from far away. I can't get there. How can we help you get there? So we actually used to do a, a week-long satellite camp in Southern California. And when we were able to buy our camp in New Hampshire, we really focused all of our efforts on that. And so we still have a lot of West Coasters who come to us you know, able to enjoy one, two, or three weeks at a time at our camp.
1: That sounds amazing. Well, Nick, thanks so much. I really, really, really appreciate your time and for sharing with us about camp. And hopefully next summer, we'll see a lot of our kids going that way too.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: So there you have it. In the show notes, I'll include some links to other camps that are similar in structure and design, as well as information on how you can support Camp Aeronautic, even if your kid can't go this year. Now, I'll switch gears and get us back to the subject at hand medical interventions for transgender youth. Today we hear again from Laura, brave mama of two humans and many fur babies, and feathered babies for that matter. She's been such a support to her son and also to other parents as they make their way on this journey. Laura takes her role as an ally and mama bear seriously and has been folding it into her work life as she supports her transgender colleagues. She's such an inspiration and I'm so grateful she's willing to continue to share her journey with us here. As a reminder all parent interviews are given with the full consent and approval of their child and names are changed or avoided in order to maintain privacy so last time we talked sort of about like sort of coming out story and your sort of experience with that so i'm hoping that this time we can talk a little bit more about how you and lucas have navigated the medical side of things so the last couple of episodes have been about medical and as families sort of think about how they're gonna continue that path. You know, there are so many questions. And so I'm just wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your experience with just navigating that with Lucas. And do you remember when medical stuff first came up with Lucas? Well, I think yes. The first was the um, hormone
0: blockers. Mm -hmm. So he was put on the hormone blockers and that came up relatively soon after he came out Mm -hmm. Um, and with the support of you we developed a letter and sent that in and he was approved to get the blockers so he's been on blockers now i think for a little over two years Mm -hmm. so he never actually experienced a full menstrual cycle he does have some top some breasts but with regard to the development of the hips we caught that really early so he really didn't have a lot of Development, but as I say this, you know, he'll sit there and and say that he hates his butt or he hates Mm. his hip Mm so You know and I'm sure you're well aware of they have such dysphoria about any part of their body and Mm -hmm. he he hates his breasts and my mom and him had a conversation when he was starting to develop and he wanted to take a pair of scissors and cut them off Mm -hmm. Um, that's how much he hated them and how it wasn't part of who he wanted to be and, um, we are, we are scheduled to have his top surgery this December. Mm-hmm. So a little bit, you know, was is six, six months away, six months away now. Yeah. And he, his whole, what he wants to do. And it's just, you know, they have, in the whole scheme of things, they just want to experience such little things. I mean, such normal things that they just look for as such excitement. His biggest excitement is to walk around the house without a shirt on. <laughs>
1: And that's such a common, like, I'm going to wear my no shirt. It's going to yeah. be the best. <laughs> right. Like, and you're like, okay, well then what, you know? <laughs> yes, that's right.
0: <laughs> what else am I going to see?
1: Anyway, so, mm-hmm. um, and then the, the, you know,
0: the, the tank tops, you know, he just, you know, he wants to be comfortable wearing those. He doesn't want people to see his binder. That's um, so that's, that's what he's, that's what his focus is now. He just wants that. So that's really exciting. And, Before I started, before we started today, I had him look at when he started his testosterone Mm
2: -hmm. and he
0: started his testosterone uh, May 19th of last year. So he's almost a year into his testosterone. We went every two weeks initially, then he went to every week and now he's getting an, uh, I think twice as much as he was when he started. Mm -hmm. So he's, so we're moving along there and his voice has definitely lowered. That's the biggest thing you notice. Oh, hair all over his legs. He is a hairy beast now. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, it's like he really thinks it's something magnificent. Sometimes I think it might be a little bit of peach fuzz that got a little dirt in it, but he says he can see a little bit of a mustache. Mm -hmm. So super excited about that. But the one thing, and um, we mentioned it to to the doctor when we talked to him last, he's having a little bit of discomfort wearing his, his underwear. And of course he's, he wears male underwear. And I don't know if there's something going on down there because with the testosterone, you might get a little bit of uh enlargement.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So he has a little bit of discomfort with some of the underwear he wears.
1: Okay. Well, that's pretty common as well. Some kids have found like, I know that there's, some, there's something going around the internet on I would imagine TikTok or YouTube or Tumblr or something, but where kids are being like, There's, I won't say kids, but somebody is reporting that it is very uncomfortable. And so we've actually seen a big increase of kids coming in saying like, I'm so worried about bottom growth. And we're like, it's really not that big of a deal. You might experience some discomfort, but it's not. But there's just been a lot more anxiety around that lately, it seems. Well, trust me, I'm not seeing anything. So
0: the growth is not that much. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. so i want to go back to so i know that you said that the blockers were a quick move why did you decide to move quickly with blockers
0: we decided and this was you know with a lot of the recommendations from the other mothers in your group the other parents in your group that we wanted to make sure that we caught it before he started into puberty and and we wanted to make sure that that was something that we caught early so that we wouldn't have to go backwards and that some of the female characteristics, such as the widening of the hips, those we were hoping to catch before. Cause you know, I think a lot of the kiddos can, can, you know, they, you can have the top surgery, but you can't really, you can't really do anything once the hips have developed. Yeah. And so we wanted to make sure that we were catching him early enough in his puberty so that he wouldn't have a lot of those characteristics
1: already established. Yeah. Yeah. And how old was he when he started? He must have been, I wanna say
0: 12, maybe 11. I think 12, I think 12 feels right to me, yeah. So Um, yeah, so he's 14 now and they won't do top surgery until he's 15. So Lucas turns 15 in September. So that's why we're doing it this December.
1: Okay, yeah, and did they, explain to you their reasons for waiting to 15? They did They did not. Would you explain okay. it to me? Well, my understanding, and I'm not a surgeon, right, but my understanding is that there's an an aspect of just normal growth that happens, right? So even though you've got, like, I mean, you don't want to do it so early that the body changes shape, like, and, like, the muscles continue to grow, and, like, you just want to make sure that the skin is going to be as, I mean, typically... Kids don't grow a whole lot past the age of 15, but we just wanna really make sure, especially so if there's been a blocker involved, so like that puberty got paused, that his body is really done growing, essentially.
0: Well, thank you, yeah. So um, yeah, we did meet with the surgeon and he had a cons- consultation which just a virtual. So we haven't actually gone in to meet the surgeon, but she did go over the the two types of the the top surgery so and it was interesting but i'll tell you this was hard this was this was a hard step and i think that lucas is great because he's very easygoing, and he and he really waits for me to catch up with him which is which is so funny but um this was hard um you know starting the testosterone was hard starting the blockers was hard but when you think about that this is going to be a manipulation of his body yeah. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to wrap your, your mind around and your heart around. And um, so this was hard for me that we were moving into this direction. Now he's excited about it. He can't stop talking about it. And that's wonderful. And, and he knows, I mean, he knows who he is. Yeah. So, um, it, it took me, a. it took me a little, it took me a week or two to get to the point where it's like, I'm okay. And we saw the pictures and we saw the images and she, she went over all the different types of surgeries and what they look like and why she would choose this one and why she wouldn't. And then, um, one of the other mothers whose son just had the top surgery, she showed pictures Mm. and the pictures were phenomenal. I mean, this kiddo at two weeks after the surgery, totally flat, Mm -hmm. looked, looked great, and they were able to put a little bit of pecs in there. He looked good.
1: He looked really
0: good. So, yeah, so Lucas is excited.
1: So, when you say that this was like each step has been hard, you know, for you as mom, can you say a little bit more about what kind of hard you experienced? Um well, when he first when he first came out,
0: it was just it was hard because you know, what kind of life would he be living? Yeah you know, what would he be stepping into? And how can we support that? And, you know, when you when you go back and look at Lucas as he was growing up, there was so many signs that we didn't take as signs at the time, but now we're like, oh my gosh, yes. It, yeah. was, it was so clear. But you really worry and you wanna do what's best for your kiddos and you just really worry about things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now I'm like the, the mama bear for the LGBTQ. <laughs> and, you know, we, He goes to a junior high that just had a total remodel, like a rebuild, the school. And I asked him where the gender neutral restrooms were.
2: Mm. And they don't have them.
0: And I said, you guys are kind of behind the times. And it's like, you know, I just, for a public school, it just, it's amazing that they don't have that. And I happened to go in on March 31st, which was trans visibility. And I said, well, do you, you know what today is, don't you? And nobody in the office knew what the day was, so I had to educate them. But yeah, and they were just like, well, you know, he can come up to the front from the front office and he can use one of the the staff's restroom, which really it's not it's not addressing these kiddos because these kiddos are camels at at school because there's no real place for them to go. It's sad. It's sad because I I think that I think society as a whole is scraping the surface. I don't think they're making the necessary long-term sustainable actions that they need to.
1: Yeah, I think that as, the, as society starts to, well, I mean, we sort of take two steps forward, two steps back and sort of, it's what it feels like in many ways. Um, so one of the things that I'm hearing from you though, is that you have noticed a shift within you right the from going to being really afraid in the beginning of what kind of life is he going to have to i'm going to create a world where he can have the same kind of life he would have had
0: exactly exactly and and you know when you look at when you look at the kiddos you know i look at myself and i don't know if i could make this change i just don't know if i'm strong enough and when i look at when I look at the kiddos, the trans kiddos, they are, they are so strong. It's, there's so much strength emotionally. Mm-hmm. There's so much strength physically,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: there's so much strength, strength mentally mm-hmm. that they have to have. And they, they have to have that to move forward because there's going to be hurdles. There is just going to be hurdles. And, you know, you can be the, the most well-informed parent out there and you can, you know, make sure that you're Setting the the stage, but you're gonna there's gonna be hurdles, and you can't predict all of the hurdles. Just like Texas, who no. would know, <laughs> who would know Texas would put out some bill that that I would be I'm I'm apparently a child abuser now.
1: Well, Still. only if the bill passes in Texas. Only if the bill, and if yes, you, and if you live in Texas, then yes, yes, they would consider you to be a child abuser. But fortunately, you don't live in Texas. You live. In a state where that it's very unlikely for that to happen but i also want to just note right like you are feeling the weight of just knowing that that legislation exists somewhere in america exactly because what are what are those parents
0: doing because i'm sure there's i'm sure there's a parent just like me who has a son just like lucas that is going "What what am i what am i supposed to do now because these kiddos know and and you can see it in their in their face in their heart, you can see,
1: and they know, yeah, even though they're minors, they know they do know they know you know, right, and the way that the world works now, they've got friends all over the world, all over the country, right, with gaming and things like that, and so most of the kids that I know and that I work with, I know for sure no kids that are in those states, and there's a lot of fear. Could this happen here? I don't know. Those kids probably thought it wouldn't happen there. Those families probably never thought it would happen there. Even though those are conservative states, it's still shocking, you know, shock to the system to see it happen. You know, nobody should have, nobody should have the
0: right to say what happens to another person's body if they make the choice. You know, it just made me so mad when I saw it because Lucas is gonna lead his best life and nobody has the right to tell him what life he can or cannot lead. Yeah. So yeah, we're working towards it. We're working towards the, the surgery and um super excited, a little scared, but super excited.
1: It's pretty awesome to see you go from really scared to a little scared and super excited. I'm really excited for him because I'm telling you, it's like when
0: he started his testosterone, he would be like, mom, do you think my voice is going down? Do you think my voice is going down? Do you think, and it's like, it definitely has gone down, but it's funny when people who haven't seen him for six months, they really notice. I was looking at some pictures the other day of when he was a baby and I don't even remember him as the person he was. And I know that a lot of the kiddos refer to their previous names as their dead name. Yeah. And we don't use that term here in this house because that name meant a lot And it's just a name that we that we have, we have retired. So yeah, but yeah, it's you can't even you can't even remember him as as who he was.
1: You know, as I'm just thinking about the way that Lucas sort of like, would come to you every day and say, like, how's my voice today, you know, sort of a thing. I always tell kids, and this is more for the parents who are listening than it is for you, because you're already through the stage of of that but whenever kids start testosterone I always tell them to make a recording of their voice on the day of like the first day and then to do it like once a month ever or maybe most of them try and do it like once a week but once a month or so so that when they have those days where they do they're like nothing's changed because that that day almost always comes where they feel really dysphoric about something and then they're just sort of depressed and they feel like nothing has changed. And they have a really hard t- hard time seeing all of the changes that have happened because they do. They happen so slowly as we want it to. Like we don't want kids to go through like a giant change. We want them to go through a transition. We want it to be slow. Puberty moves slow. We don't want this to move any faster than that. So the the having the recording is a really beautiful way that they can, I can say like, where's that recording of you talking six months ago? Right, and they pull it out and they're like, whoa! And I'm like, yeah, yeah, remember that? See how much more, you see how different it is now? Oh yeah, okay, things are changing, it's all right. One of the things, you know, and I
0: have to say that Lucas was really fortunate, they said when he started the testosterone, he may get acne. Yeah. He really, he really did not see an increase in acne. So he was really lucky in that fact. That's
1: really lucky because there's a lot of kids who are like, oh my God, what is happening to my face? I'm always like, "So, a few might be, this might be the first time you ever see zits and go like, oh yes, it's working. Uh, <laughs> it usually only lasts a few minutes because then you still have zits. And I don't know any kid who really enjoys that, but it definitely changes. Their relationship with acne for the first little bit, yeah. But yeah, it usually takes you know uh, several months, and then most of the time, three to six months, you start to see the voice drop or hear the voice drop, um, and that's when they get really excited.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just wondering when you when Lucas started blockers. We'll just start there, and then I'll do the same question for testosterone. But when Lucas started blockers. What did you notice shifted for him in terms of confidence or attitude or just overall sense of self? Well, I think, you, I think
0: the first thing is, is he really never had to have a menstrual cycle. Yeah. And I think, I think when you look at you know, the difference between males and females, that's a big thing. That was great in the fact that he didn't have to experience that didn't have to mm-hmm. reemphasize to him that he wasn't in the right body. He didn't have to have that. So I think that was, that was great. I think the, the bigger thing was the fact that somebody was listening to him Yeah. and we were doing something. And I think that when we talked um, in the last recording, Lucas and I had set set a goal that we would do something every week, just a little something, whether it was buying new underwear or, um, you know, getting his name changed at school. And so the blockers was a big one. It was a big yeah. win for him that week when we first got him. So I think the confidence there and the fact that he really never has had to experience some of the changes in the body that the women ex- experience on a monthly basis. So that was that was confidence in itself. And, and just that somebody mm-hmm. was listening to him. And of yeah. course, he's still on the blockers. He'll continue with the blockers until his testosterone levels get to be at a certain level. So he does yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's normal for kids who start out with a blocker, right? They don't want to take that away until the testosterone is at a level that is going to override any of the other productions that happens for the body. Yeah. So anyone who's listening to the blockers, they're
0: given about, I think it's 86 days, 84 days. Of course, Lucas gets the testosterone once a week.
1: Yes. But he started out with every other week, right? Yes. He started out with
0: every other week. Yep.
1: Yeah, and then and that's pretty typical for when kids start really um, a little bit younger. And Lucas did start a little bit younger than some kids do. That was just because he was they're pacing his puberty to match that of his peers.
0: Exactly, and I think I think when we saw you, and and as I mentioned in the last one, I mean you were you were the shining light. I don't think we would be where we are right now, and Lucas would be living the life that he's living if we had not got in touch with you and actually were were able to. You know, join your sessions and and have that community that you allowed us to be in. But I think he was the youngest that you had seen mm-hmm. at that point.
1: Well, not that I'd seen in total, but in that in that particular cohort that you were in uh-huh. and the kids that went to the kid group that I did alongside the parent group, he was definitely the youngest in that group. I have a different group that I did for that I do for littles, um, and he was too old for that one. <laughs> so it's like okay, I'll put him with these like. 14, 15 year olds, and he did fine. It was great. They just took to him and loved on him, which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He was like the little brother. He was totally the little brother. Yeah, still is for a lot of them. Yep. When he started testosterone, how did that shift things for him and for you? So I'll I'll tell you with the with the blockers, the blockers you can stop
0: and the body will go back. With the testosterone, they give you a list that you have to, to read and you have to sign off on both yourself and the kiddo. There are some characteristics that when you're on testosterone, if you stopped, they wouldn't go back. So you need to be aware of that. That was a little bit scary because these are permanent changes now. So the blockers, definitely what what Lucas needed and and we were able to stop a lot of the characteristics, but it it wasn't a permanent. The testosterone is a permanent he was he of course was was ecstatic he had been looking forward to to starting the testosterone i think that was another age that he had to be a certain age before they could start the testosterone
1: yeah there's a minimum age for yeah for sure. so he
0: he was before the minimum age when he started the blockers and then he started the testosterone last year so he's just been doing great he wasn't apprehensive at all he i don't even think he read the whole pamphlet he was just like <laughs> let me sign and i'm like wait a minute here i said this will never go back. So, you know, your voice will never get higher if you change. If we, if we stop doing the testosterone. And it's like, he looks at me like, why would we stop the testosterone? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, okay, so I can't remember. I think there's three things that don't, that won't go back once they- Body start.
1: hair, voice, baldness. That's right. Yeah. Once you get those, the facial hair and body hair, once those grow in, they continue to grow in, not necessarily at the same rate. If you were to come off testosterone, but any male pattern baldness that shows up, which does typically show up for even in your teen years, still, if it's in your genetic line, like you can. Bet that that's going to come and get you. Um. So that hair doesn't grow back if you go off of testosterone, and then your voice drops, right? And if you go off testosterone, your voice stays at that level. It bottomed out at. Mm -hmm. So just
0: you know, just be aware that that these are permanent changes, and you know, as a mother, as a parent, you just the the word permanent, you know, and it's like, and I I know when. When Lucas goes through puberty and when he grows up, you know, there'll there'll be changes regardless if he was a male or female, but, you know, as a male, it's just, it's just important to know that, that these changes, as you move forward, they are permanent. It's a little scary. It really is.
1: Yeah. And I always like to tell folks too, that even though they are permanent, right? Like your body won't regenerate or correct them back from where they are um there are still ways that you can modify your body like through like electrolysis and things like that so if like a kid did come off testosterone at some point and say like i'm really uncomfortable with this body hair situation like there are ways to remove body hair uh and there are ways to like people deal with baldness all the time or thin hair and voices come in all different ranges right and so all of those things even though they are quote-unquote permanent like they're still manageable exactly
0: but let me just let you know that that there's no way lucas is going to get electrolysis if i don't have it (laughs) we are a hairy family so
1: (laughs) i love it laura (laughs)
0: One thing, one thing though, too, just, just so um, everyone's aware and stuff where he gets his testosterone shots and his legs, they are, that's very, very dark, thick hair.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So don't be scared. (laughs) That's one thing I tell kids. I'm like, make sure you do your shots in like multiple spots because you're going to get like a little patchy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they're always like, what? That and the butt hair, those are the things that they're like, what, where is this butt hair coming from? (laughs) Nobody told me I'd get back hair or butt hair. I'm like, I said body hair, man. (laughs) So they're like, I thought you meant legs and (laughs) chest. But then I always ask, like, so does that, like, would you rather not have the testosterone then or are you good with this? And they're like, oh, no, I'm good. That's fine. I can handle it. I was just surprised. So... Laura, do you have anything that you want to tell parents who are sort of wrestling with the idea of medical because or like medical intervention? Because this is like, as you know from firsthand experience and having the community of moms that you're involved in, you know that this is one of the biggest, hardest parts about this. It is. And I think that I think that
0: every parent you wanna support your kiddos. You wanna support their life choice and them being happy. And as I saw in, in Lucas, Lucas was definite. I mean, Lucas is a boy. We think back on it there, he was always a boy. He was just born in a in a female body, but he's always been a boy. He's always been a man now or a young man now. Um, and you wanna support that. You wanna support that because the happiness that you see on their faces, when, when their voice deepens, when they get that hair, you know, when they don't have periods, it, it'll, it's just gonna warm your heart and you're gonna know you did the right thing. Um, trust me, you will. Just make sure that the individuals, the support groups that you surround yourself with are experiencing the same thing and that they have the historical knowledge. And go ahead and tap into that because that's a great resource. Mackenzie is a phenomenal resource, and I, the the doctors of course, that we are working with are doctors that you work with, yeah, and with and that a lot of the other families have worked with, so we're very comfortable in the doctors we're comfortable in their in their familiarity of the the trans kiddos and what's going to occur and when we saw the top surgeon, she showed us pictures, she gave us all of the different information on. The I think it's the double incision or the keyhole, of yeah that, the choices, the methods, and we we don't know what what Lucas will get, it just depends on when he actually goes in for a physical consultation, yeah, but very knowledgeable, very kind, and she you know she put it out there, the repositioning of the nipple, the nipple will not be the same as it was. Just be aware of that and and what it's going to look like, and she gave us some really hard pictures she gave us the the truth so we know and um lucas was not not deterred at all he's like when's december how many months is december (laughs) can i do it before (laughs) yeah so no he's super excited and um the one thing the one thing that he is the most worried about and i'll give it it's 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 not the actual reduction of his chest yeah that he's the most worried about he's the most worried about the drain
1: Oh yeah, uh huh. So for those listeners who don't know, like when you have top surgery or even when you do when they do just regular breast reductions, they typically insert a drain to drain off extra fluid in the tissue as it heals. And those drains have been they they basically feel like a phone cord like under your skin, um, and they're really uncomfortable. And you have to like monitor these tubes and strip these tubes, and they're really it's it's a process and it's quite annoying and. That is something that I have heard continuously from folks. It's like, I can handle it. It's fine. Do I have to do the drains? (laughs) Is there any way we can avoid drains? That would be great because they are. That's a scary part. So then to think about like walking around with tubing underneath your skin for a a few days and it usually takes, you know, seven to 10 days before and they get them out of their post-op appointment and it's generally recovery from tap surgery is not a very comfortable process at first. The first month can be quite tricky, which is why we always make sure that they have a really clear support system of who's going to be around to help them with stuff.
0: Exactly, and I think that's why they also do them in December, so the kiddos have a little bit of time with the holidays.
1: Yeah, they try and always time it, or at least around here, I shouldn't say everywhere, but around here they're really great about timing surgeries for teenagers with their school breaks, really trying to keep them in school and not have this be a big disruption to their entire life. And it's like, and and
0: and the drains, so they'll feel the drains up where their breasts used to be. So these tubes are long.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're really long, and they can get like caught on things. <laughs> and they've got these like bulbs down at the bottom that you got to kind of keep in your pockets. I mean, it's just like, Blech. no, thanks. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and Lucas is a talker, so I'm, I'm sure I'm going to hear everything he feels.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, sure. that
0: could be its own podcast.
1: Yeah, I'll <laughs> just have him on. And I'm like, Lucas, let's talk about drains. <laughs> tell me, tell me what it feels like. Let's explain this to people. He'll He'd probably just love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Laura, anything else that we want to leave for parents when it comes to this stuff? It sounds like community, finding the right support people, trusting medical professionals, but developing relationships with medical professionals that you know you can trust, not just trusting blindly.
0: No, exactly. And stuff. And, and find the support group and stuff. And know that when you find that support group, your support group, you are loved and your kiddo is loved. All
1: right. Well, thanks, Laura. I always appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. You have a great day. Thank you, everyone. Thanks so much for spending time with us. I know you have so much going on and I deeply appreciate you spending time with us here at Camp Wild Heart. We're building a community that will only grow with each episode and you're part of that. And I'm so, so, so grateful for it. You don't have to wait till the next episode to connect with us. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Wild Heart Society. I've been hearing from more and more of you and I am loving it. I have almost a whole group of parents right now that is entirely podcast listeners. How cool is that? If you're looking to find a high-quality, affirming clinician to support you or your family, check out wildheartsociety.org. Thanks again for joining us for Campfire. Be sure to subscribe for free to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. And give us a rating. Rating the podcast helps other people find us, and we want to make sure that anyone who needs one knows there's a bunk for them at Camp Wildheart.